0: This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Z Prime on the Grid. Uh, s- still under quarantine, but uh, we're we're making do with our digital media. I'm your host Dylan Lockwood. Joining me, as always, is my co-host Aaron Hardick. Aaron, how are you doing down there in Austin?
2: Doing well enough, Dylan. How are you?
1: Uh, well enough is exactly the way to describe it. Um, uh, think, I mean, like as we've discussed a lot our we're sort of stuck, we're, we're sort of stuck in, in our own areas, which means that the perspective of how we're seeing things develop is coming through the lens of our own areas. And so to talk about ci- uh, cities and how they're sort of, uh, how they're dealing with this new reality. We have with us Chelsea Collier, the founder of DigiCity, a platform designed to inform, inspire, and connect leaders as cities advance in the digital age. How are you holding up, Chelsea?
0: Hi, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for creating this opportunity, Dylan and Aaron.
1: We're we're, we're happy to have you, um, Chelsea. On on your website, on DigiCity's website right now, it says that DigiCity is providing. Their platform to celebrate those who are contributing their smart city solutions to support communities in the era of COVID nineteen. So, can you tell us what that means and what your what what the work you're doing right now is?
0: Sure. As all of this was unfolding, it's hard to believe it was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I just thought, you know, in this time of crisis, this is a chance to look at what we can do and what we have. Um, what tools do we have and how can I personally help? You know, I'm not going to be in a hospital saving lives like so many of those brave first responders. But I have an online platform and DigiCity is all about connecting people and sharing information. And so I thought, this is what I can do. This is how I can help. And, you know, a couple of other things just to help our local community and restaurants and local businesses. But at the same time, people all around the world are hurting. So, If I have an online platform and I know how to connect people and showcase different solutions and bring people together, at the very least just communicate that there are so many people doing some really positive things in a really, really challenging time, then that's what I can do. So (laughs) just trying to show up.
1: That's a great step forward. Uh, what What are some of the things you've been most excited to share?
0: I've been really inspired by the way that everyone just kind of dropped everything and said, what are we going to do? And they moved very, very quickly into action. So whether that is government and city leaders just completely overnight rearranging everything to meet the needs of the most vulnerable in the community and and respond to the crisis, it's so inspiring. And everyone's doing this, private sector, major corporations, startups who have fewer resources than many in the private sector, community groups, nonprofits, everyone has just realigned the priority and I'm seeing people work together in ways that I had only hoped would be possible, um, but now they are not only possible, they are happening. And so, you know, This is um, just one of the most challenging things that I've ever seen in terms of COVID-19. And there's a lot to be scared about, but there's also a lot to look at and say, wow, we really can do this. We can rally and mobilize across all different levels of government and focus on helping people and serving our communities. And, And that's a positive thing.
1: Yeah, you you cover a lot of the spectrum of city city development, especially smart city development. Because we we had you on at uh, our City of the Future conference back when conferences still existed. Um, and <laughs> y'all did a uh, great
0: job of that conference, by the way. That's one of my very very favorites, and I go to a lot of conferences. So well done, you.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, and well do, well done, well done, you. Uh, we we've really appreciated having you on to. Uh, to to talk about these issues so but since since you've kind of been involved with a lot with a lot of sides of that the government side the business side the startup side uh what what do you see as the relationship between smart city programs smart city development and the systems needed to respond to crises crises like this virus
0: yeah it's a it's a really good question i've been thinking a lot about this over the past couple of days like what is the role of a smart city and I think it's easy to think about smart cities just in terms of technology and devices, but at a, at its core, a smart city is simply a system to solve problems, and technology is just the enabler and a catalyst to solve those problems. So, if city leaders have more data that's being collected by connected devices, then they have actual information so they can make better decisions. and you know, that is, that's the kind of ones and zeros parts of it. But also a smart city, the people who are really moving forward in this, in this world, they're having to work across departments and across sectors. So they've already taken the steps to overcome bureaucratic barriers. They're really focused on solving problems. And again, the technology, the connected technology is just simply the enabler to do that. So I think, government leaders and private sector leaders and community leaders and everyone who's rallying around this smart city concept, they're already well-positioned to solve the challenges. And here we are in the midst of the biggest global challenge of our time.
1: You know, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially with, in conjunction with what we we talked last week with uh, Joyce Dooley from from Geekdom. Um, I, I, I I believe you're familiar with her, uh, and she Which was
0: awesome. She, I love what they're doing.
1: Well, yeah, she she is awesome. We really appreciated having her on. she was she was kind of mentioning how she felt that San Antonio specifically was really able to have a a, fa- a fast and effective response because that uh, because that information was able to easily be shared between uh, between necessary parties and of course with the gener- mm-hmm. with the general public. To have kind of a collective response, like you said, which is a lot more optimistic than honestly than I've seen up here in Washington uh, in certain mm-hmm. places but uh, so I think that I think sh- seeing that that difference uh, speaks to what you to what you just said about how that uh, about how that technology can enable that preparedness
0: yeah I'm really glad that you brought up the example of San Antonio because one of the the uh, most frequent questions that I get is, what's an example of a city who's really doing this well? And it's easy to talk about Singapore. You know, they're a decade ahead of where we are here in the U.S. But I also talk about San Antonio, because while they may not have the resources that Singapore does, they've done the hard human work. And to your point, they've learned how to come together as a community and say, hey, who are we as a city? Who are we as a government? What solutions do we really want to collectively solve together and what solutions do we want to discover that may be unique to our own department but we can leverage the data in a way that is ethical and safe and everybody you know keeps their their data private that needs to be private but the overall collective can be used to solve community-wide challenges based on shared values and they just done that work. So now that we're in the middle of crisis, it's go time. And they already have that platform, those relationships. They can pick up the phone and leverage the work that they've already done. And it's what I created Digital Cities to do is to share the stories about cities who are really doing it well, because not everyone is going to be able to move at the same time. But having examples of people who are doing it, I think, not only gives hope to other city leaders who are trying to get there, but it provides um, maybe a a framework or a blueprint or a game plan.
2: I think one of the interesting things about San Antonio that's kind of put them in this position, which we actually talked with Joyce about, is how kind of like close-knit that community is. I mean, it's a very big city, seventh largest city in the U.S., but they have this kind of like, feeling of everyone being very connected and you know everyone and they have this very like close-knit community feeling given how big the city actually is and I think it kind of inspires the citizens to you know be active in government in startups to kind of you know help facilitate these relationships that put them in this position to respond to this crisis and you know a better way than some other maybe larger cities are handling it, which kind of leads me to this next question, which is, you know, with this crisis, you know, currently on our hands, it really affects everybody in various ways. How has it kind of highlighted weaknesses in city planning or systems The crisis for a lot of cities has highlighted, you know, broken systems and lack of communication between different stakeholders on trying to implement solutions to make smart city solutions or to make these cities more livable and equitable and functional for everyone. So how has this crisis, Chelsea, kind of highlighted some of those challenges or kind of some of those broken pieces of these systems
0: yeah i I think it's a really good question and to me it all comes down to what is the collective priority of the community and the pathway to implement a smart city can you can be ubiquitous it can be the same no matter if you're a large city a small city a rich city a poor city (laughs) none of um none of the qualifiers that we use to determine and rank cities are immune. So to me it's the communities who come together who really love working together and who know how to solve problems together, they prioritize doing that. They prioritize, hey, how can we get everybody involved because we have these challenges in our city and we need everybody on board to to solve them. And I think San Antonio's done a really nice job of that. In other cities, maybe their priorities are more in um you know just the block and tackle of kind of running government and i'm I'm trying not to be critical here because i have a lot of respect for what it takes to run a municipality or a county government or state government these are not easy things um but again other communities just prioritize the the connectedness of community and i i think um those who have done that are now able to move quickly and when you're looking at, at smart cities and just the overall sector of that of that smart city world you know you have government and then you have departments within government and different layers of government local county even regional federal of course and then you have private sector and you have all sorts of different levels of private sector you have startup you have academia you have community groups and It's very easy to kind of stay within that safe place of what you know and and fall back on, these are the rules, these are the systems, and it's much easier to say no when you're in your own protective silo. And I know everybody rolls their eyes when they hear the word silo, because the
2: word is a bit overused,
0: (laughs) but it's the best analogy that I can think of right now. And I think those communities who go outside of that protected safe space and say, gosh, I have this challenge. I don't know how to solve it. And you have to have a, a willingness to say, I don't know how to do this, but here's what I'm willing to, to be vulnerable and say, I don't know, and who can help me? It, it just takes a, a certain kind of leader to be able to do that. And um, again, those cities who have that collective leadership those are cities who are smarter and it's always interesting as we talk through this as a you know kind of collective smart city group we always end up talking about leadership and and how leaders are showing up and very very rarely are we talking about the technology application and the technology application is important but it all comes down to people and how they prioritize how to get things done
2: in your experience, um what has been the priority for kind of like crisis management solutions within the overall smart city project context? Like have you been seeing smart cities projects trying to really account for crisis management solutions, or do you think that may be something that will start to arise as we kind of hopefully come out of this coronavirus? Um, pandemic, do you think that that will maybe become more of a priority when um, city leaders are starting to evaluate smart cities projects? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. And, you know,
0: I grew up in Southern Louisiana and Lafayette, Louisiana, where that entire area and, and that entire community is always primed for a crisis because We live in the world of a hurricane. (laughs) Um, Some larger and more devastating
2: than Mm -hmm.
0: others. So I've seen um, some smart city solutions, including um, one in Lafayette, Louisiana, that's all around disaster response. And I think Florida and some of the southeastern states really have um, systems and solutions set up around how to mobilize during a, a an environmental crisis. But of course, I don't think any community was really prepared to mobilize around what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. And Justin Hasler with um, eRepublic, uh, GovTech is, is the website or the portal that um, most people know that brand well in the Smart Cities community. And he made the point the other day that even in, a, in an environmental crisis, there's a game plan you know what's going to happen and so you can move into action and implement that kind of plan but you know if you would have asked the city leader six months ago hey how are you going to mobilize your smart infrastructure for this level of crisis and no city leader would have been prepared for that so I think everyone is just obviously caught off guard and, and trying to do the best they can and what I think is really challenging, too, is taking care of the most vulnerable in in our cities. Mm-hmm. There was a response right away um right when all of the sheltering in place started happening around the community that does digital digital literacy specifically around senior seniors and the elderly. you know if you already don't have number one broadband access, number two digital literacy number three. Um, even the equipment, and you're ordered to shelter in place that's a level of isolation that is really critical and and um saves or harms lives so I think cities are appropriately just trying to prioritize the most vulnerable, while also
2: mobilizing Mm
0: -hmm. and trying to take care of small business owners. And you know, to your point earlier, there's nothing that this disaster doesn't touch.
2: Right. And normally I would be in Austin, but I'm actually in Houston. And Houston is one of those cities that's been affected by plenty of hurricanes and Mm -hmm. you know, um, environmental disasters. But nobody was really prepared for you know this type of crisis. So what are the opportunities for solution providers to to provide the most relief or do the most good, given, you know, kind of, you know, everyone's lack of preparedness for this type of crisis?
0: I'm so glad that you brought up Houston, because there's a group um, led by Jeff Reichman, and they work really closely with the city of Houston. The Bounds over there is is the innovation officer who's in charge of the smart city efforts and it's another example of people who work really well together and so because all of those developer communities are already active solving problems now they simply switch to okay how are we going to solve challenges around COVID-19 and have seen that entire community just mobilize and it's again one on the top list of (laughs) the most inspiring cities and inspiring communities. Um, but it's not just, you know, people trying to, to show up, it's also um, companies showing up. You know, you can mm-hmm. see overnight, whether it's a grocery store or whether it's an internet service provider or a cable company saying, okay, this is a new day, how are we gonna rally our resources and how are we gonna show up and
1: be supportive? So I've seen lots of examples of that too. Taking it back to something you said a little bit earlier just about how cities are kind of having to balance uh, doing what's necessary immediately to help the most vulnerable, which of course should be their top priority, and then also trying to, uh, to help alleviate the stress that the quarantining, that the that the social distancing is placing on communities uh what have you seen in terms of uh people working hard to make sure that uh their cities and their communities are going to you know still be intact on the other side of this
0: mm-hmm. it's it's a really good question. I think it's a bit too early to know um I I think we're just in the very beginning days of triage and how people respond quickly to that is one thing. And, you know, there's there's a marathon and then there's a sprint. And so I think, again, those city leaders who can balance those two things, because you can't just sprint for a long time. And if you're doing a marathon, you got to kind of like gauge down and go for the long haul. And it just requires Different levels and different speeds. So, different teams are going to have to come on board at different times. And I, my hope is that city leaders will be um, pliable enough um, and kind of flexible enough to, to adjust as different things are needed at different times. This is not going to be just kind of a couple weeks and then life goes back to normal, you know, in the, the world of smart cities it's it's interesting that you know where we are right now in terms of everybody's online we're looking at telehealth solutions we're looking at um teleeducation and of course remote working and you know our lives have shifted online in a very very new way that's not unlike where we were going before but now the timeline is just condensed to um, a couple of weeks as opposed to a few years. So everything that communities and cities and companies and individuals were preparing to do, now they just have to do really, really fast. So there are gonna be some things that break in that process. But I also think there are gonna be a lot of things that get built and that's where the startup community comes in and again, that's where people just work differently across sectors because there's no time to lose and there's no time to write a 10-year strategic plan. You just have to get going and you have to try whatever works. And if it doesn't work, you have to pivot very quickly. So it's almost like we've all become community entrepreneurs overnight. And it's going to be messy, um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that a lot of really good foundational pieces get put in place.
2: Kelsey, you mentioned this transition, this accelerated transition to our lives being more online, working from home or online to you know, communicate with our colleagues. You know, there's online learning now for the children who can't go to school. Um, and I know that we wanted to talk about broadband in this episode and kind of the role that it plays in. Crisis management, and then probably overall as we move forward in, you know, in our daily lives. After this, we we were on when we were getting on this, you know, I was mentioning, you know I'm having some connectivity issues. you're having connectivity mm-hmm. issues. I'm sure everybody at some point is having connectivity issues because our bandwidth just isn't set up to hold this like massive amount of activity. So like what are you seeing around broadband challenges and how that's kind of affecting? um you know both communities and maybe the ability to you know get solutions out there and, and working
0: yeah and back when i started studying smart cities and and really looking at all of the different layers the connectivity piece of it if you think of it in terms of a triangle connectivity is at the at the bottom of that triangle i mean it is the most foundational piece of smart cities. It's the long, hard, slow work. (laughs) And, you know, obviously connectivity is at the front and center of this conversation. And so as we've moved our lives online, of course, the networks are feeling the strain and in the early days of DigiCity, again, I just saw this, that cities were moving pretty slowly in terms of adding capacity to their broadband infrastructure. And I saw that as really alarming because I spent weeks in China and I almost kind of like stepped into the future and I saw what was coming. And then I came back to the US and like, oh gosh, we have to move much, much faster. And again, it comes back to this conversation of cities working with private sector. And sometimes that's really challenging to do for all the reasons that everyone understands. So right now, as we've moved everything online, for the most part, the, the networks are holding up well, but not in all cities. And the broadband now, they just put out a report and they analyzed 200 cities. And um, again, most are doing okay, but some cities are seeing significant degradation by more than 40%. And when it comes down to it, at this point in time, as we're all sheltering in place, our lives are online, that is not something that anyone can afford to do. It doesn't matter what part of town that you live in. And again, could be an example of something I don't want to say maybe positive. I always hesitate to use the word positive in the middle of a global crisis, but perhaps something that we can learn moving forward, that's a better way to say it, um, is that it is possible for telecoms and cable companies and broadband providers to work closely together with cities and overcome some of the challenges. I mean, of course, there are challenges there. But you have to address them and you have to understand them and you have to work through them because the goal is adding capacity. And we have to add capacity citywide to everyone. And that is not one organization's job. It's not just the city's job. It's not just the private sector's job. There has to be an overlap of here's what we have to provide and here's how we can make this easier. How can we work together? Because we have to provide more robust connectivity and we have to do it now it's it's an imperative we, we simply can't wait there's no choice to not do it so um i'm hoping that there are some new relationships made between city leaders and private sector i'm hoping that new solutions come to light because we're proving that it's
1: possible
0: and and that's something that we can work towards
1: yeah i think you're right um especially when you, if you think about that the more of a city that we digitize um the more processes and business we can digitize the less of an impact this kind of this specific kind of crisis where people have to stay away from each other the less of an impact that can have so being able to on board all of that all of the that interconnectivity is absolutely critical, especially when it comes to things like uh, when it comes to things like education, and you know, of course, disseminating important information. When, when we're thinking about um, the ecosystems of a city and uh, and how businesses are sort of reacting, um, you've worked you worked closely with startups. You've got a you've got an article on your website right now about startups to look to during the crisis. Uh, how have you seen some of the startup businesses handling the situation, or some just going under due to an inability to conduct business? Are there opportunities being seized? What what have you seen out there?
0: I haven't heard of any startups folding quite yet. I'm Unfortunately, not saying that that won't be the case. There's a lot of activity and talk about there out there um, as funding levels are being decreased. You know, and of course, as big conferences are. Canceled that has a negative impact on startups just ability to, to network within the ecosystem. Um, venture capital is flowing a bit slower, obviously, but at the same time, I haven't heard fear from the startup community. What I've seen is mobilization. Startup founders are like, "Hi, here's what we have to give. Here's what we can do. Help us get the word out. How can we help?" And a couple of the startups that have showcased one is called Blitz. Um, they have a, a Mobile app that basically does remote tech support. So we did a, a lot around um, just in-field tech support and and you know kind of virtual tech support. But now they're looking at okay, how can we help cities who are doing um, trying to care for their most vulnerable? And maybe somebody has a question about how a piece of equipment on a respirator works if you're in a hospital system or. Um, teleworking questions for people who aren't quite used to working out of their homes to even things like working side-by-side with seniors and doing some digital literacy training that you you can't be side-by-side so the mobile interface can can help with some of that Um, urban leaf which is a great startup um, out of California they basically opened up their platform and said we are doing this pro bono, we are going to share and disseminate as, as much information as possible. In cities like Smart Columbus, You know they've mobilized so quickly and they have a thousand people and from the their um, developers to city leaders looking at ways that they can come up with new solutions and now all of that information is being shared on UrbanLeaf. So the beautiful part of this is that we are connected and we can share best practices really, really quickly. Um, My hope is that startups, because they are nimble and they understand how to pivot very, very quickly depending on whatever the challenge is, in the light of this challenge, that some will be able to bolster their offerings and provide value and still build a viable business.
2: So in Austin, and and you know this, Austin is a very small business community, a lot of startups, a lot of innovation, but we know that, you know, people, are struggling small businesses are, are really struggling and feeling the impacts of these things but they start up small businesses they they are nimble they have the ability to innovate quickly to help out in ways that maybe you know bigger corporations can't really address because of you know how how big they are and they just simply can't pivot so I, I this is more just like a thought they're creating so much value, but it also feels like they're f- almost suffering the worst as well. Right. Well, what I
0: love about working with startup founders is that there's always a willingness. There's never a hesitation. There, there's an energy and an excitement, and they just get busy getting the work done. <laughs> and I think, you know, they're such a, an example for all of us we don't have time to wait for permission. We don't have time to wait for five levels of signature sign-off on some idea to move forward. We don't have time to manage up. We have to get going and move and create. And not saying that all of that will be successful, but it's. I think it's just going to inspire everyone, no matter if you're a startup entrepreneur, city leader, if you're a, global corporate leader, we're all the entrepreneurs of our own lives and we're the entrepreneurs of our own community. And those cities who can create platforms to leverage that energy and that willingness and that support.
1: So Chelsea, to sort of bring it bring it all to a head, kind of lay out a thesis here, how, how do we build cities that are more resilient and better able to disseminate necessary information during times like this? How do we learn from the failures of the moment and the successes of the moment?
0: I think at the end of the day, cities are platforms. And those cities who can create platforms that allow everyone in the community and maybe even everyone around the world to plug in and say, here's our solution, here's what we tried, here's what we learned, here's what you can do. With that sort of mobilizing framework, cities can really be the solution providers for everyone, and that's what I'm hoping happens. Um, To do that, you have to be willing to be a platform and not just be the answer to every single question. And to be able to do that requires a willingness to invite other people onto your platform, some of which you've never worked with before, some of which maybe you've worked with before but haven't really enjoyed the process. of which we don't even know what will happen in the next five years and what technologies will be created. So my hope is that cities learn how to do that more effectively and learn how to be a supportive platform that invites everyone to co-create
1: solutions. I think I mean I think that's a great I think that's a great message for uh, for cities. Uh, Chelsea I want to thank you for coming on and talk and talking about this we really Appreciate you uh, bringing some clarity in these uncertain times.
0: Oh, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to chat and just offer whatever I can to support you all and to support everyone out there.
1: Stay safe out there.
0: Thanks, Yelty.
1: Uh, Aaron, thanks for for chatting with us today.
2: Thanks, Dylan, and thank you, Chelsea. You know, I. I think this, the, really the end of this conversation has me thinking about, you know, really what role do startups play in our cities and what role are they going to play moving forward given their ability to respond to this crisis maybe faster than other types of organizations and entities. And, you know, I, I, that's probably going to be top of mind for me now. You know, you've raised some really good points and it makes me wonder you know how are they going to be valued and treated and how are partnerships going to hopefully continue to develop at a faster pace with some of these startup organizations because of their ability to respond to crises and be a little bit quicker and more nimble so it'll be really interesting to kind of watch that play out over these next few years as we hopefully, you know, come out of this crisis and find some of that silver lining um, from it.
1: Well well put, Aaron. So for everyone else, you can find our research and media at zprime.com. You can find us on social media at dylockwood, at Aaron Hardick, at zprime underscore research. As always, uh, stay safe, stay home if you can, uh, and look out for one another. My name is Dylan and we'll see you all next time.